All topics covered here are for conversational purposes only and do not constitute financial advice. Please contact Mulcane Co. to receive advice on all matters from one of our professionals. Hi guys, welcome to episode 30 of the FS360 podcast. You're here with host Gavin Nash and uh, my friend over here, Danny Archer. G'day Danny, how are you going? Hello Gavin, I am well, thank you. How are you? Nice one, good thanks mate. Good, thanks for being our guest on episode 30 of the podcast. Um, we're doing this one via uh, during lockdown listeners, so um, we're doing it via Zoom. And also, we wanted to do it um, as a bit of a video, just for something a bit different, um, because what Danny's going to be talking about today, there's some visual elements to it. So we wanted to make sure that that could be seen on screen. So if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or indeed on our website as a podcast, you can also watch the video on the news page of our website. So we'll post it as a video on the news page of mulkay.com.au. So feel free to jump on there. Um, we'll have a downloadable version of the, the visuals that Danny's going to be talking about. Um, but I wanted to start, Danny, just by welcoming everybody to the financial year. Um, we last did our last episode just prior to June 30. So welcome to all our listeners to the 21-22 financial year. Um, and also just wanted to report in that uh, the podcast is up to its 30th episode. So we've, this is episode number 30. We started it back at the start of the pandemic last year. Um, and we're up to 30 episodes and we've actually had over 2,600 listens to those episodes total. So it's been going really well. Um, and I've, I have had some good feedback from some of our clients, Danny, that they um, enjoy listening to the podcast and, um, uh, you know, get, get gaining some information from it, I suppose. Um, are you a bit of a podcaster yourself, Danny? Or I'm an avid podcaster. I do a fair bit of driving uh, for work between Ballarat and Geelong. So I do listen to a few. I like to be, um, I have a theme. I like one to be educational and then one to be entertaining to keep it a little bit different. So educational is normally some type of finance podcast. Entertaining is either the Howie Games is probably my favourite podcast and then anything else that tickled my fancy. But there's a lot of time spent in commute. So why not use it wisely? Absolutely. I'm, I'm with you, mate. I've got a very similar strategy. I sort of have some work-based ones that I like to follow. And um, and then I like to have just some, yeah, just some fun ones, just some, you know, uh, they're still educational, yeah. a lot of them, but they're just more around. Actually, mate, you've mentioned Change the Howie it up Games. a little bit. Yeah, the Howie Games is a good sports one for anyone that doesn't know. That's Mark Howard from the, uh, he commentates the footy and he interviews um, a lot of sports. It's got a very much Hello to Mark Howard focus. out there too. Yeah, good day, Howie. Hopefully, he starts listening to us, mate. On here, but um, I'm listening to one, mate. At the moment, I'll put a shout out to one called Smartless. So it's um, it's three Hollywood actors. They all jump in and uh, interview other sort of people from Hollywood and whatever. So it's called Smartless. So it's a US one, but really good just for a bit of time out. Um, uh -huh. Yeah, they interview people like you know Jennifer Aniston and whatever, and just people just you know just a good good bit of time away from lockdowns, you know. So probably same as the Howie game. So you, you need a release learn. every now and then. Yeah. And you always learn something, to Danny, don't you? So, which is good. Um, so, for all of our uh, all of our um, listeners today, uh, Danny, we're going to be talking about um, the markets. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put up on screen in a moment the 2021 Vanguard Index chart, which I'll let you talk about. But um, and it's got some very interesting parts about sort of behavioural finance. So, I'll let you go and get started on it, Danny. Perfect. Thanks, Gav. Good segue into behaviour finance. So 
Behavioural finance is a part of financial planning that I'm very passionate about. Some some financial planners are more concerned with rates of return. Um, how can we maximise you know, your return on super fund or your investment portfolio? Which I agree is absolutely important because it's it's your money at the end of the day, and we want to maximise your returns. But a way to be able to maximise your returns, I think, is to firstly have a decent or a sound understanding of behavioural finance. And in a very broad um, definition, behavioural finance is the study of the influence of psychology on the behaviour of investors. And moreover, it focuses on the fact that us as investors um, and then as an extension, the share market, so both here and abroad, are not rational. We behave irrationally. What I mean by that is we don't make sensible investing decisions based on the pure fundamental finances of the businesses that make up the share market. Um, Investors have limits on their self-control and we're influenced by what we call our own biases. And if you'll indulge, I'll explain a couple of them. So one of them is a confirmation bias, which you've got a predetermined opinion about something um, in respect to share market investing. You might be, I think, XYZ share is going to go through the roof and you do research that only confirms your opinion. You deliberately do not try and find any evidence to the contrary. As a financial planner, I think our biggest role and our biggest value add is to be what we call a devil's advocate. So Gab, you might come to me with an example or an idea to do something. I might love it, but I'll throw rocks at it as much as I can to see how much you know about it or how passionate you are about it, all those sort of things. So Another one is loss aversion, which makes sense. You don't want to lose money. So you make a decision based on how much money you think you might lose versus how much money you think you might make. So you're sort of looking for a negative there, which is not not ideal. Another big one at the moment, particularly share markets, is hurting. And the hurting mentality, another one one as well, we're in lockdown. I went to the supermarket on the weekend. And again, there was no toilet paper there. So hurting mentality is just you follow the herd. You become a sheep. You don't make your own decisions. Um, And then we've also got overconfidence and self-attribution. So overconfidence with marketing, with share markets is you are, as the name suggests, too confident in your own skills and abilities. And you probably are making decisions that you're not really, um, you're not really versed to be able to do so. And self-attribution means all your wins are due to your luck. So if you, um, to, to your skill, I apologise. So if you made a good call and bought Afterpay at $8 in March last year and you, you sold it at $160, that is, a, that is based on your skill. However, if you bought Webjet or something like that in December, ah, well, you would blame it on the market. You blame it on luck that all your wins, your skill, but your losses are to do with, are to do with you, you basically become un, unlucky. And the reason why behavioural finance is so important in respect to investing is we mustn't make irrational and short-term emotionally charged decisions um, when it comes to our money. So, you know, markets, if you make a decision right now based on six months' worth of time, it's not the most prudent thing to do because in an ideal world, your investment time horizon is 10, 20, 30 years. So a little a little thing that's happening now, and the reason why, Gab, as I said to you, I think it's topical is, there's a lot of civil unrest and horrible things happening in Afghanistan at the moment. It's all over the news, obviously. Very, very sort of terrible situation. And that's happened the same time as reporting season in Australia. Since COVID, most big companies on the, in the share markets have actually reported better than expected returns and performance um, in their annual reports, which should suggest a share market bump. 
However, because of the, the unrest and fear and anxiety and all of these emotions that actually have more of an effect than happiness, love, joy in Afghanistan, we actually saw the markets wobble a little bit and a lot of them actually saw a week or two ago the week was a red week. And you think, why? The businesses that we're buying on the share market have all made profits through a pandemic, but people, because again, whilst I can see very horrible situation happening in Afghanistan, they think that has a macro effect on, on the world, basically, and it's going to affect not just now 10, 20, 30 years' worth of returns. Um, and the good thing about the graph that I'll explain in a sec, I just wanted to touch on behaviour finance because that is what determines the, what people you know, do with their money, what decisions they make. The good thing about the graph is it shows short-term volatility, which we can see it is always there, but it also shows a very happy and positive upward trend. Um, so I'll start at the top of the graph here at the moment. So the top no, suggests so it actually shows. Yeah, sorry, sorry we'll, put the, we'll put the graph up on screen now, guys. So it'll take over everybody's screen as Danny has a talk. Um, and as you say, mate, um, from a, a layperson's point of view, we've got a graph that shows you're saying that volatility. So that's that small ups and downs, small ups and downs all the way along. But with the Excellent idea trust. that over yeah over a period of time um, you can see the results of that. So I'll pass back to you, Danny. But I'll I'll uh, put the screen um, the Vanguard chart up on screen now. Go for it. Perfect. Thanks, Gab. So the top you can see in the black there there are your years. So that's the time frame we're looking at. Basically from 1990 to 2021. Uh, the next two sections there in the green and yellow they actually depict the Australian Prime Ministers. So Hawke, Keating, Howard. And then the American president, so Bush, Clinton, Bush, Obama, Trump, Biden. And that's important because clearly more so the Americans, but the US president arguably is the most powerful person in the world. So it shows what happens when certain presidents were in power. And then beneath that, there are those black dots. And this is, I think, the most important part of it from a behavioral finance perspective, because these are what a Vanguard deems significant events to have happened in the world. Um, so, you know, superannuation guarantee introduced in Australia in mid-1992. You've got the internet but going public at the end of 1994. You've got the obvious one, which is a terrorist attack in the US in you know, all what we call September 11, which happened at almost the same time as the dot-com bubble burst. Uh, you've got the Bali bombings, if you keep going, and then the GFC, which is another obvious one. And one that I find of particular um, importance is the section there where it says the RBA in Australia cut interest rates six times in about 12 months from 7.25% to 3%. And now our interest rates are about 0.1.2. So you can just see the dramatic effect that, you know, what happened with interest rates. It progresses over to the Gulf of Mexico oil spill, the tsunami, um, Brexit, and then the COVID-19 section there. So we might go, what, what's, what's the importance of these? Well, if you look at the timeline and then you keep scrolling down to those squiggly lines, and I'll explain those, the green or lime-coloured line, as you can see on the right-hand side of the graph, that's the US share market. So a lot of people say that is the lead market in the, in the world and most markets tend to follow it by way of a graph. So not the same returns, but a similar shape. The mustardy colour is our Australian share market. The pink colour line is Australian listed property. So they're big trusts that invest in uh, commercial properties such as, you know, your Westfields, big buildings in, in the CBD, et cetera. 
You've got international shares, which is Marone. Now, that is basically every share market in the world, excluding Australia. So it includes Europe, the UK, the, the big American companies, et cetera. And then you've got Australian bonds in blue. So they're the corporate and government debt facilities. The grey one is cash. Now, that one's important because that would be, that one there shows purely just the cash rate in Australia and the red line is CPI or inflation. So this shows what $10,000 would be worth in 2021 if invested way back here in 1990. So you can see purely just inflation, which is the cost of living, it's doubled, over doubled in that time from 10 to 20 grand. Whereas if you had your $10,000 in the, in the US share market, it'd be worth the better part of $220,000 at the moment. Um, and the bottom two parts here, this blue sort of wavy graph, it shows the value of the US dollar. The mean price they've selected is $1 and then it goes 25 cents either way. So it sort of shows that where it is there relative to the Australian dollar as well. And the last two pieces of information on this graph are the mustard columns is the average Australian uh, weekly earnings. What's interesting is in 1990, it was about 500 bucks and now it's about $1,300. So over the course of 30 years, it's not tripled, whereas the cash account has almost gone up by four times. So there's a lot of conjecture in the media at the moment that the price of property since the GFC has gone up exponentially, whereas the increase in wages hasn't kept up, which is what's causing the affordability problems that we're seeing in Australia. So this graph goes a long way to illustrate that. And the reason for the property boom is on that same mustardy graph, there are those, there's a little red dotted line. That's actually the Australian interest rate. So you can see from about the GFC, which is the middle of the graph, there's a very obvious trend to that red dotted line and it is down because as I said earlier on, the interest rates in Australia are so low now that they're barely even 0%. There's even talk of them becoming negative. So cheap, cheap, uh, cheap cash, cheap lending, means people have more money to spend when they go and buy a house, which purely means that the demand goes through the roof. So they're the individual um, things that are plotted on this graph. And now I'll discuss how they all tie into one another. So when you first look at this graph, Gav, do you have any questions so far? No, I think that's, that's pretty clear to people. I think, um, as you say, um, what we will do too, Danny, is um, we'll have this graph in a high-res download um, on the news page where, yep. we, where we post it on mulk.com.au. Yep. So people after this video or after this podcast want to go down and have a bit of a look at the graph in detail, um, we'll have it for download there. But I, I especially like the idea that Vanguard put in those international events that happened because, as you say, they, they have the direct... Yeah, like, you know, the, the President and the Prime Minister of Australia and the President of the US does make a difference, but those those incidents that happen seem to have quite a big, uh, um, those events, I suppose, and they're all at the top of the graph as well. So, yeah, very interesting to well, sort of see all that. I'll explain, and I'll explain a few things that I think sort of leap out um, off the page to me. And I'll start at the left-hand side and I'll just, rather than follow a particular market, I'll just follow it along and, and select something that appeals to me. So well, the first one here is the Australian shares. You can see this massive bump up here. What event happened around that time? Well, the superannuation guarantee was introduced, which means... What year are you talking there, Danny? About what 1992 year? and a half. 
Rightio, yep, yep. Superannuation guarantee introduced into Australia, which purely means people's employers had to make mandatory um, superannuation payments on behalf of their employer, employees. Nine out of 10 employees have the superannuation invested in the share market. So as a result of work of there being a lot more buys from employers, then the value of all these shares has gone through the roof as a result of that. So that's what sort of sparked that mini little boom you can see in the Australian share market because the mustard the mustard, um, the mustard line goes through the roof there for about a year or two under Keating's watch. I found that I find that pretty interesting as well. And then the big one as well for the US share market, it starts to really leap off the page from about 1994, 1995. And if you look at the event that happened there, the big one is, well, internet went public and everybody started using the internet to change the way we live our lives. In fact, it wasn't just the US share market that boomed, pretty much all of them boomed from that point. From when the, you know, it basically connected the world. We can do things like Zoom, it sped up industrials, it sped up productivity. People and businesses were able to do more with less time, which clearly just resulted in higher revenues and higher profits. And the US share market in particular, what this did, it prompted a lot of your dot com startups, people in their garage opening up tech businesses. You at Microsoft, all those sort of things happened. And then it builds all the way up. If you look at a bit more of a um, a bit more of a deep dive into the financials, the value of all of the shares relative to its performance was becoming more and more and more and more and more and more inflated. Going back to behavioral finance, it only takes one or two events that kind of have no real effect for that to be the catalyst for people to start to think the world's going to end. I need to sell my position. One of them here was the dot-com bubble burst, which then led into the terrorist attacks, the 9-11 event in New York City. And as you can see, it saw a pretty big drop in the US, which is the lime, the lime graph, and then the international shares, which is that maroon graph, which is, as, as I said, the internationals is every market in, in, the, in the world other than Australia. So I found that sort of interesting in that. There's this huge tech fuel boom in the mid to late 90s until the turn of the century where a terrorist attack and the dot-com bubble burst. And then from there, until about the GFC, you could argue that the, the US and the international shares sort of plateaued a little bit. There isn't a lot of growth from about 2002, 2007, 2008. It was a very interesting time in, in those markets. Conversely, there are two lines that stand out to me the mustard one and the pink one that's the australian share market and the australian listed property trust so for whatever reason main thing mainly which just to to do with gst in australia our markets did really really well until the gfc now you can see what happened there gav the probably the biggest and sharpest sell-off overall was the gfc particularly in the australian share markets and it's gone to the point where the Lehman Brothers collapsed. RBA cut interest rates to, you know, from 7.25 down to 3%. Two, first of two stimulus packages were announced. All the while, you've got some changes in the guard with Bush and Obama, the, the change in the US, which was huge at the time. You know, Obama was a, a groundbreaking, pioneering um, president. And then you look at ours, you look at look at the volatility in the US presidency um, race versus the, the the Australian Prime Minister, how quick ours change versus the US. So clearly the, the, the United States guys 
were probably doing a better job, hence they got dual terms. From about though 2008, 2009, you can see what the, what the markets did from there. That's what we call a bear market, which a, a bear market, may, sorry, a bull market, I apologize. A bull market is where there is just constant year upon year growth, 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 growth on the market. So as you can see from about the second stimulus package event, every market has just trended upwards. There's been no big blips. For mainly the main reason for that is the low interest rate environment that the world never been in before, which was done as a trigger to try and kickstart the global economy on the back of the GFC. And as we know, the GFC was caused by a property bubble, but the share market copped all the slack because it's where a lot of the bloodbath sort of was held. And then since then, you can see all the way along, again, some more volatility in the, uh, the Australian Prime Minister space versus the US. Brexit, you might remember Brexit at the time being a massive event. There was a lot of talking, what effect is this going to have on the world? Well, funnily enough, the biggest effect it had was on Australian property, which I don't think many people would have probably predicted that. You look at the international markets, which includes the US, didn't really do much at all. At the same time too, a lot of people thought when Donald Trump was, going, was um, sworn into office, that was a cataclysmic event that the world couldn't handle. Markets went absolutely gangbusters because for all of Donald's um, quirks and issues and whatever else you might want to call it, he's a savvy businessman and he knows what he's doing. So clearly the corporates of the world did a little bit better with Donald Trump. Um, but if you put his social hat on, he's probably not not the right fit. But anyway, that's a story for, an, for another day. For, an, for another day. Yeah, good one. <laughs> but one one thing as well that I thought was quite interesting with this graph was this is the first time I'd seen the COVID sell-off depicted on this graph. And you might remember at the time, markets in particular, Australia, we dropped 30 or 35% in that time. Whereas if you look at the size of that sell-off relative to 30 markets on this graph, I'll ask you, Gavin, what, what stands out about it? Um, just, I mean, in relative to the 30 years, just how short it is, you know, um, Correct. it's, it's, it's and all small. happening and, and, and small in, in the overall, like if you look at the dot-com and uh, um, back in the 2000, 2001, much bigger drop-off. And then um, say you say the GFC in 07, 08, the big, much bigger drop-off. COVID has sort of been a, a downward spike and then it's recovered really fast. Exactly. So perfect. So the two things is how fast both events occurred. Obviously, the, the sell-off happened in basically March in Australia. We lost nearly a third of our market. As you can see, the Australian share market as well as the Australian listed property were affected the most. Property for obvious reasons. What were we told to do during COVID, during the peak part of it? Work from home. Therefore, okay, how are the people that are renting out these huge corporate businesses in CBDs going to pay their rent? Clearly, you know, even Westfields and um, in, in Victoria, you've got uh, churches and shopping centres. All of those places in at the time, it made sense for them to not be quite as appealing. Therefore, people sold their shares in those sort of things because, if there are no shoppers or if there are no workers paying the rent or paying, you know, where's the money going to come from? However, exactly. you can see, look at this. And then the, the other thing that, as you said, Gab, as well, is how quickly and starkly both markets or all markets recovered. You look at America, for example, by before Christmas, they were well above COVID. They've actually about 50% above pre-COVID levels at the moment, which is just absolutely mind-boggling how quick it's recovered. 
And that was mainly due to unprecedented government stimulus. So you've got JobKeeper, JobSeeker, early access to superannuation. Now, these are in Australia, but in America and all the other Western countries, they had very similar stimulus packages available to people. Now, again, the, the pessimist might say, who's paying for all of this? And I say, well, I'd rather, I'd rather my income tax go to pay this than what the world would have looked like had this stimulus not have come into place. Unemployment, yep. homelessness, huge crashes. These things were put in to prevent homelessness because at the time, people were thinking everyone's being laid off. What's going to happen to the property market and the share market? Well, as the trust line there shows, Gavin, as we know, the residential uh, regional property in Australia has gone absolutely bonkers because people have realised that in lockdown, an apartment or a suburban home in the city with a, a little courtyard isn't actually what living really is when they've got a young family. So the expanses of a nice acre block an hour out of Melbourne or Sydney has become very appealing. So people are spending a lot of money doing that. And it's, it's fundamentally changed how people are living our lives because 10 years ago, Gab, we wouldn't be having this conversation over Zoom because we probably couldn't actually do it, whereas now we can very, very easily. So I could live in New York, you could live in Ballarat, and we could do this without really any problems. And I think um, that's so, the other thing, um, Danny, is, is that people, we all talk about um, how the workplace is changing. Like people can now, as you've just said, can move to regional, can do this, can do that. But um, what then it makes sense for that all those same behaviours to be reflected in, in the Australian and, and international markets, doesn't it? And that's what this whole episode's about, is just talking about how people behave around certain things. Um, as you say, you go to the supermarket and everyone buys the toilet paper. That's a behaviour, you know, same as what we're talking about right. here. But graphs like this are great because I think it really does prove to people that, yes, there's volatility, there's ups and there's downs. And you could say that, uh, you know, if you graphed your uh, relationship with your uh, spouse, Danny, you could probably, it might look the same. You know, you might have some ups and downs right. and then at, the end, at the end of it, it some all works out. So, yeah, exactly. So, no, I think, and I think that, that COVID from March 2020 to now is just amazing to see those top two. So the US shares and the Australian shares just now outperforming what March 2020, um, pre-March 2020 levels had. Correct. And as I said, most economists... Most financial analysts, anyone really that you'd want to talk to have said that it's it's unprecedented market behaviour based on so many different financial um, variables that I, you know, I'm not smart enough to understand. But the reason why I want to tie this into why I think it's relevant today is the behaviour of finance piece. And the thing in Afghanistan was what prompted me to have this chat with you, Gav, is even though those black dots at the top and there's changes in presidents, there's changes in um interest rates there's changes in the average weekly wage all of that sort of stuff if you zoom in on this graph and only take into account six or 12 months and you choose the wrong part i.e the, the basically 2008 or the first half of 2020 clearly the graph is not going to look very very good and it paints a very somber grim picture however the whole point of behavioral finance is we shouldn't and we mustn't allow um, our short-term um, short-term events basically in the world allow us to make emotionally charged decisions when it comes to our money. And what we should do is firstly take a step back, take a breath and hold it, hold our position and understand why we've invested in the first place. Now, if you're someone like me, you know, late 20s, it's someone I don't want, if it's my super, for example, I can't even access that for another 30 years at least. So 
for me, my super is right at the bottom left-hand corner of this craft. And I've got that 30 years to ride out. You know, someone else who's a bit closer to 60 might say, what about me? I say, well, your life expectancy isn't, is, is until late 80s, 90. So you've got 30 years as well, that sort of stuff. So yeah. it just points a really good picture that if we can just turn the blind eye and ignore the short-term noise, the unrest, all of that, the politics, the disasters, all those things that are always going to happen. Remember, if we plot this back until 1901, um, our $10,000, there's two world wars, a cold war, a, a few different pandemics that have all occurred. And through the whole while, the Australian share market has returned about 10, 11%, as it says in this table here, where it shows you the returns, which I'm going to get to. Through all of that, the table there, Australian share market, 30-year return, nearly 10%. International shares, 8 and a bit percent. US shares, nearly 11%. All you've got to be able to do is have, I guess, the, the ability to be able to shut off the short-term noise because, remember, media outlets and things that spruik news and noise, bad publicity sells. If, if you see a headline that's positive, you know, someone's done something good, you almost don't care. If you see a headline that says 5,000 coronavirus cases in Sydney, you're going to be like, oh, my God, let's read that. But really, what matters? So if you can shut all of that off and focus on the long term, the short-term volatility will be there for sure. However, would you want in a 30-year period your $10,000 to be worth $217,000 or $38,000 that we can see in the graph? So one thing that I like always say to my clients is, Cash is important. Cash is king. We need cash to pay for things. However, when it comes to investing, after a while, cash becomes very, very, very inefficient. And I ask, have you ever watched a, a, a medical show in your, in your life on Netflix or whatever? If they say yes, okay. When you see a flat line on the heart rate monitor, what does a flat, dot, flat line usually tell you? Death. <laughs> death. You, you feel, now, you in, a finance perspective, in a finance perspective, cash is the death of growth. And, this and you can see that by the graph. Really well. Yeah, absolutely. You can see that really, really well. pretty clearly in the graph. And I think you were saying, Danny, too, um, that uh, to try and turn off that outside noise is, is not easy because these days we've all got access to social media accounts. You know, I've got the ABC News app on my phone. So if I want to see the latest yep. coronavirus updates, that's where they are. Um, but I think, as you say, it is easy to get caught up in the politics of the world and what's happening. Um, and, you know, as citizens of the world, we all should sort of look at the Afghanistan situation at the moment and, and feel empathy and sympathy for that as definitely uh, from a social level. But as you say, um, there's, you know, a, a lot of time the investment that goes, your investments aren't really uh, affected by that in the long term. So, um, and, and look, this graph's a great way. And Vanguard do these graphs each year, don't they, Danny? So there's these graphs yeah. that are going right back. That's so July, late July, early August every year, they update the previous financial year. Yep. Just a great uh, great way of seeing, look, this is uh, what we're looking at, um, you know, going long term. So, um, and that's great. Those returns are interesting on that little table too, guys. Just uh, they're the, that's the numeric table um, in the bottom right corner. So. Yep. That's a great way to look at five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, what, what's happening. So you can see, for if, example, if the, the putting, US one. Yeah, go for it, Dean. Sorry, Gab. I was just going to say, if you're putting the graph up for our viewers to have a look, down the bottom of the page is the source of where we've got that information from. So it's things like Bloomberg, the Miski, um, the Standards and Poor's. So 
all of the research houses and the fund managers you'd probably expect to see. Um, it yep. does actually show, and I will, I will also um, say that that is the accumulation return. So it's it's growth and dividends included um, in the in the same thing. But yeah, just I just wanted to, to touch on that because I, I assume clients may may want to know where we got the figures from. Yep, perfect. And I think you can see from on that table, Danny. I was just going to mention about the five years, ten years. So the US shares after five years was sort of seventeen point five percent. Awesome, you know. So if you just take that five that five year gap, but then if you took a different five year gap, like 2008 to 2012 it's going to be it's going to be in the negative probably for that five years so yeah so you've just got to look at that and that's where that 30 year um as you say someone in their 20s should be looking at the 30 year thing for retirement someone in their 40s should be looking at the 30 year thing to what am i going to look like when i'm 70 um so um yeah it's it's a great great way of looking at something from uh just to stand back and take a deep breath i wanted to um mention to the listeners as well um danny about your article that uh is up on our news page it's a couple of months old now but um danny wrote an article guys called the art of doing nothing so sometimes the art the best art of investing is to sit back and take it all in uh rather than jumping to action all the time so it's an interesting article and I sort of employ you to go and have a bit of a read of that one as well. It's on the news page again, yep. mulkay.com.au. So. And Great. as a segue to that too, either do nothing as what I mean by do nothing is don't sell, don't change your position. However, part of being, you know, partnering up with a financial planner is, as I said at the start, will be your devil's advocate. We'll make you accountable. We'll say, what were your goals? What are you doing right now to help you achieve those goals? A good way as well for a financial planner to provide the behavior finance value is either do nothing or if it is COVID or if it is the GFC or if markets are down. Now, I can't say that right now is either at this point in time, 23rd of August at about midday. I can't say if this is the top or the bottom of the market for the next 10 years. I don't have a crystal ball. But we know that if there's been a pretty significant sell-off, so 5 10%, it's actually a good time to buy. Because as I've said, the shares that you're buying, the businesses that you're buying into in Australia, for example, the CBA, and this is not a recommendation to go and buy in CBA, I just use them because they're very everyone knows them. They've still got credit cards owing. They've still got mortgages owing. People are still paying interest. I'm still paying my gas bill. I'm still paying my electricity bill, all those sort of things. It's just the price of the shares has reduced. So the analogy I say to clients is if you go to the supermarket and bananas or steaks are on special what do you typically do well you might invest in steaks or bananas you might buy more you (laughs) might buy more because you know that it's still a porterhouse it's still a steak it's still a banana it's just what you're paying for it on this particular day based on market movements at that time have determined the price is lower than it was last week so you go okay i'm still buying the same product the same analogy in a roundabout way could still be used or should still be used when it comes to investing. So in, in through COVID, a lot of clients called and said, we've got some spare cash laying around. Is it a good time to put some money in? Those that did, now it's not appropriate for everybody because everyone's circumstances are different. Those that did, as this graph shows, are right now probably pretty happy that they did make the call to put money in. And those that sold their position or changed their risk profile to a bit less growth haven't probably seen and been exposed to the massive uptrend that we've seen. And they're probably not quite as happy that they made that negative call at the time. So at the time too, we weren't to know that we're going to have an unprecedented market recovery. 
However, as I've, as the graph shows, and this is only a 30-year graph, if you look at 120 years, at the end of every trough, there tends to be a bit of a peak. So yep. when you do see red in the share market, the general rule is please don't try, don't freak out, even though it is difficult because it is your money, either hold or if you can, have a chat to an advisor about potentially investing some more money because you might just be happy you've done it in 12 months from now. Absolutely. And that's d definitely true for anyone that bought shares around the end of March last year, for sure, 2020. So yeah. now that's great, Danny. Thanks for today's episode. I think um, our listeners will have picked up quite a bit out of that. And as we always say, guys, these uh, podcast episodes and on this occasion, the video as well is here just for your knowledge and your enjoyment. Hopefully a little bit of education. It's general advice. So please get in touch with one of the advisors at Mulcahy Co. If you wanted to do anything further, um, please don't take what we're saying here as uh, financial advice. It isn't. Um, but by all means, jump on the on the phone to Danny. He's at our Ballarat and Geelong office. We've also got financial planners in Mildura, Sunshine Coast um, as well. So uh, as Ballarat and Geelong. So um, by all means, jump uh, on the phone or on a Zoom call during lockdown with one of our financial advisors for sure if you want to have a chat about your personal We're situation. Still here. So, absolutely. I think Thane said that on his last video, Danny, that went out to yeah. customers that we're still here, the phone still work, the email still works, Zoom and Skype still work, Microsoft Teams, you know. Um, what, what's the new one, Danny? I think I got one the other day, an invite to a Cisco um, web uh, chat forum. Yeah, WebEx. WebEx, yeah. So there's quite a few of them going around now. So, um, uh, yeah, look, uh, the guys are available via those sort of um, uh, channels still. Um, and keep an eye out on our socials and our news page too, guys, for um, up-to-date information as it comes to hand. But thanks very much, Danny, for joining us today. Uh, episode nice. 30 of the FS360 podcast. I think that's been very beneficial. And um, we thank you for your time. No worries, Gab. Thanks for having me. Any any chance I can get to talk about behavioural finance and use a graph because anyone that's been in a financial planning meeting with me will know that I use a graph to explain nearly everything <laughs> because I just find them a lot easier. I'm an illustrative learner, so I, I teach that way. So any chance yep. I get to be able to talk behavioural finance and, you know, the benefit of, of sort of knowing what it is and being able to um, act accordingly um, I'll grab. So I very much appreciate the invite and had a blast talking about it. Perfect. Thanks, Danny. And um, good luck with the podcast, the Howie Games, mate, or uh, the next one that you're jumping on to. But definitely my little recommendation, Smartless, pretty pretty good. Lots of fun, uh, lot, very lighthearted. So jump on that during lockdown. I'll give you one back. Business Wars as well is a good one. I Business Wars. Okay. Business Wars on the Wondery. Yep. So as an no example, worries. it compares Coke versus Pepsi. To, you know, those sort of things and the rise, of, ah. the rise of them against one another. TikTok and Instagram. Wow. Okay. Business wars. There you go, guys. There you go, listeners. So after you've finished listening to all the FS360 podcast episodes, you can jump on to Smartless and the Business Wars. Business so thanks, um, Danny. Thanks again. Have a great day. And uh, to all our listeners, see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Thanks, Gav. Take care. You've been listening to the FS360 podcast brought to you by Mulcahy Co. Financial Security 360 is at the centre of what we do at Mulcahy Co. If you'd like to speak to one of our professionals about a range of individual and business needs, give us a call.